Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 21st day of October. I'm Paul, and we are in the latter portion of the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Journeying through the Gospel of Luke has brought us to Zacharias' prophecy, which encompasses the text from verses 67 to 79, and then there's the 80th verse, which sort of puts a cap on this entire story before going into chapter 2. That's a big number. There's a lot of verses in this in this early chapters of Luke. Uh, I haven't peeked at every chapter as far as working on trying to figure out how many verses there are, but my something nagging inside of me tells me the longest is the first. Uh, I'm kind of peeking ahead, and I won't sit and spend your time doing that. It didn't cross my mind to do that before we started, but I think the translators broke the longest possible chapter up at Luke 180. We'll get to that in the next few days. Over the next couple of days, I want to spend some time with this prophecy and talk about some of the intricacies of it. Before we do that, let me tell you about the sermon you can expect tomorrow. Full-length sermon drops every Sunday at paulwhiteministries.com. The audio drops right here wherever you get in your podcast. And of course, we have a YouTube page, PWM, and we invite you to subscribe to that page and check it out. The message is titled, Spirit-Conceived, Virgin-Born. This is taken from the creed, we are conceived by the power, we are, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The reason my, I had a little slip there and said we are is because part of what I cover in this message is that the Spirit's power of conception didn't stop by birthing Jesus, the power of his conception, though not in the exact same way, of course, is alive and well in us, and that the Holy Spirit is ever actively doing what he's always done. He hasn't changed roles, and so he is in the power of bringing life into that which is nothing. And Spirit-conceived virgin-born, of course, is talking about the conception of Jesus in the womb of Virgin Mary, but it speaks also to the fact that Virgin is the ultimate barren woman because she can't possibly, at least a barren woman, is having relations with her husband in a manner in which she could, with America, with with healing, bring forth a child. A virgin cannot. There's no scientific, biological, medical way. Mary sort of represents the end of all barren women. And she is the the ultimate sign of birth. And so in that, the Holy Spirit conceives in us. We are also barren people. No power to bring forth life inside of us. And the Holy Spirit conceives that in us. So this is not only a message about Jesus being conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, but it's a message about the Spirit's power of conception within us, and what that means. I think that uh, I think you'll enjoy this. I know that I'm having quite a time every week with our group in South Carolina, having quite a time going through the lines of the creed. The theology is so rich and so deep that I'm having a blast every week digging in. So if you're following along with the creed, you can get a pretty good idea about what sermon's coming next. And so Spirit Conceived Virgin Born drops tomorrow. Check it out. Just under 40 minutes long. I think it will be a blessing to you. Okay. What I want to do today is read the entirety of the Zacharias prophecy. I'm going to read on out through the end of Luke. 
But we're going to come back and work this a little bit. Now, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, and you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace." That is the entirety of the Zechariah's prophecy, and as you flowed through that with us in real time, no breaks, you could see that Zechariah sets this up in the same manner that the Psalms set up prayers of thanksgiving, that opening line of blessed, and that's how the Hebrew people open prayers of thanksgiving. So it's a cue when he opens his mouth that he's giving thanks by blessing God first. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. And then why? He's visited and redeemed his people. So Zacharias sees the arrival of John the Baptist and the knowledge that Christ is coming. Remember, he's had this encounter with Mary as well. But he he knows Jesus is on the way. The cool thing is he, he would even know that he's going to be named Jesus, Yeshua, because Mary no doubt told that to Elizabeth. But he knows the arrival of his son is the beginning of the visit of God to redeem his people. And the redemption is an indication that God's people are never rescued without cost. Redemption costs someone. God takes it upon himself to pay the cost. So Jesus stepping into, it's God stepping into the human family as Jesus. And then Jesus will pay the cost of our redemption And part of that cost will be to suffer as we suffer, to hurt as we hurt, but to take all of it into himself so that never again will whatever hits us in suffering and hurt be the end, that we can find that the end was in Christ and his death so that we can see it as an avenue to a new beginning in the resurrection of Christ. So when you see redeemed or redemption, Think of it as a cost being paid. He has visited and redeemed his people. Redeemed them means that not only did it cost, but he's bought us out of whatever we were in. And so we need not see ourselves as enslaved as as the human family to whatever was there before. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Horn is a, a word used as a symbol of strength. He's raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. And here's our first indication in this prophecy that he knows it's someone else, house of David. So he's linking not his son John as the one, but the one coming later. We'll work through some more of this tomorrow, including some really good stuff on covenant. See you then. God bless.